Listen, Randall, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> good, uh, good afternoon, Valerie. How are you? <laughs> happy birthday, Randall. Hey, happy birthday. Who cares? Welcome to Happy Birthday, Who Cares? Our podcast on our shared birthday of October 1st. But uh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone. It's our secret. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Power of positivity. Yes. Trying to keep things on the upbeat. We're on the road to WrestleMania. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited. Uh, WrestleMania is in uh, a week or so. It'll be very good, I hope. I'm not going. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the women's main event. Uh, Becky, Charlotte, and uh, Ronda Rousey are doing a, a three-way match, I guess for both belts. It's real confusing. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm not sure. It's a show, so you'd think they would write things out that would explain things to the audience, but evidently Some, that's last on the list. Something I need to explain to our audience is that ladies wrestling is not as horrible as it was in the 90s and the 2000s. It's, it's like uh, it's, less uh, ladies wrestling in lingerie. Yeah, and not not a whole lot of cat fighting. More yeah. more legit wrestling. There was more things like who can rip the other one's bikini top off first wins. Yeah, things. lots of hair pulling and uh, these these women are wrestling at a intergender level. Like they should be there should be no women's division. It should be men versus women in wrestling, in my opinion. Well, since it's all put on anyway. Yeah, I mean you might as well. I mean, if you're going to decide who wins, let them go at it. Uh, I'm excited about spring. Yeah, me too. The weather is getting good. Do you hear that? Yeah, it's like music. Yeah, I hear what it What is that? I don't know. Well, if you got music in the background. It's in the wires. It's flipping showing up. So if you hear background music, we meant to do that. Enjoy the music. <laughs> <laughs> we got to try a new studio. That's, the, that's my opinion. We're going to have to try a new studio. Okay. Uh, but thank you, Kebu, for letting us use your facilities to record, <laughs> as usual. Anything exciting you want to talk about or interesting happen this week? I've just been thinking a lot about music this week. Scott Walker died. Yeah, that's sad. Rankin Roger died. Also sad. Too young. Way too young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about music and the fact that I don't usually care about this sort of thing, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction is happening this yeah. weekend, too. That's this weekend? That's tonight, I think. Oh, really? And um, it's one of those things that is stupid and a weird-ass popularity contest like the Grammys that is totally unhip. But mm-hmm. they're actually inducting like eight of seven or eight of my favorite bands ever. Who who would that be? It's going to be Roxy Music, Def Leppard, yeah. Stevie Nicks. Uh-huh. Uh, Wait, what, did they already do Fleetwood Mac? Yeah, they already did Fleetwood so Mac. So just Stevie Nicks is a solo artist? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the Cure, Radiohead, The Zombies. I feel like I'm missing somebody important, but I can't remember. You feel like all those people should have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like first or second ballot. Like I said, it's ri- it's a weird, ridiculous popularity contest. And like, you know, I think Metallica's already in, but like most of the people who m- were influences on Metallica are not. That's so odd. it's like, yeah. Yeah. Is Motorhead in the Rock and Roll no. Hall of Fame? No. Um, I don't understand how it works. Is it just a group of people that work for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who vote or is it something else? It's kind of one of those uh, music industry professional things and you get a ballot. And um, so like there's a nominating committee and I know like Little Stevens on the nominating Uh committee and a bunch of other people. And so they'll nominate whoever they're into 
any given year they think is worthy. And then there's also a fan vote. And so Def Leppard and Stevie Nicks did really well on the fan vote. Does the fan vote determine if you are nominated or if you are... No, you're already nominated when you get to the fan vote. I get it. And yeah. then I think if you do really well on the fan vote, they'll be like, all right. We have to we let have you have to in. let you in. So yeah. hopefully... It's yeah. a, a veritable popularity contest. It super is. And I think like Judas Priest did really well on the fan vote one year and they didn't get in any way. Ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's super. It's dumb. But Do you know if they're airing it live? They're going to air some version of it on HBO in a few weeks. Uh, remind me and we'll we'll get that. We'll watch that. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like uh, a a super cheese ball because, um, well, I don't know. Like I said on social media, I'm ready for the old folks home now that my bands are getting in here. <laughs> would you uh, go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show? Yes. It would be so cheesy and so expensive. I yeah. mean, it's like buying a ticket to go to the Oscars or whatever. You just sit there. Can you and... buy a ticket to go to the Oscars? Well, no, you can't. <laughs> I have no idea. But the Oscars is also not in like a arena. No, that's true. It's probably a giant venue, right? Yeah, it's like big. a twenty thousand seat arena. I don't or know, maybe like twelve. And it's in Cleveland. Uh, they're actually doing the induction in New York. I kind of thought maybe they were there for WrestleMania weekend. Oh yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. Def Leppard pointed at the WrestleMania sign. That would be pretty great. Every now and again, they bring live music acts out during. Big did, wrestling events. They did Motorhead, right? Motorhead played the theme for uh, Hunter, Triple H. Who else has played? Uh, the band uh, In Living, no, Living Color. Mm-hmm. No, no In, that's mm-hmm. a show. No Fly Girls. Living Color played the theme for CM Punk, Cult of Personality. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this year at the WrestleMania, it's going to be Joan Jett. Oh, right, playing, because uh, Rhonda. Yeah, playing her theme, which is Bad Reputation. Well, Joan Jett is great, and the yeah. song is great. Too bad I hate Rhonda. Yeah. Often it's a lot. You hate her? You hate Rhonda? We can talk about this later. No. No, we got to <laughs> talk about it right now. Why do you hate Rhonda Rousey? I think she's transphobic. She said some really... Oh, really? Yeah. She said some really cruddy things about Yuck. various populations of people. Plain don't like her. Yeah. I don't think she's that talented. And... I mean, obviously she's she's... She's got, a draw. She's got great physical ability, yeah. but I don't find her charismatic and I don't find yeah. her interesting or a good actor. I wanted to like her more and the more she's in it, the less I like her, exactly. which is a sort of a bat, the opposite of good. Yeah. And her makeup looks like the Nightman. Looks like Mac <laughs> from <laughs> Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's Always in Sunny Always Sunny in Philadelphia's Nightman. Let's play a little snip of uh the Nightman? the Dayman Nightman All song right, right now. To remind you. Here you go. Dayman, oh, fighter of the nightman, oh, champion of the sun, oh, you're a master of karate and friendship for everyone. Dayman, stage freeze. Don't say stage freeze, just do it. That's a good choice. <laughs> that was a really good choice. I could listen to you that know, we again, again. We could have played Bad Reputation by Joe Jett, oh, but instead we'll we're going to go, no, let's not. <laughs> maybe we can end with it. Uh, yeah. This, this has been Wrestling Chat with uh, Randall and Valerie. This has been the Rock and Wrestling Connection with Valerie, <laughs> a new pod, a new mini pod in the middle of our regular pod. Oh, my God. That's exactly what we should do. The Rock and Wrestling Connection. Yes. Uh, write that down. Patent pending. See if there's a podcast. <laughs> See if someone has that URL and we can reserve it. We got some feedback this week. Again, like we always do. 
Jeez. <laughs> what the hell was that tone of voice? I don't know. We love your feedback. Yes. Please always send it. Uh, in spite of my negative tone, I really it really just means means the world to me personally. When I see someone commenting, me, I'm kind of like, meh. No, no I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Anytime we get something on email or Twitter or wherever, yeah. uh, Randall text messages me like, "Have you looked to look at the look at the Twitter?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll just quickly uh, call him out. Thanks for the note from uh, Guar Superfan Damon, who uh, <laughs> who was happy to hear about Guar, but also upset that we didn't bring him in to talk about Guar. Damon, of course, if you can crowbar. Guar into an October 1st reference. We would love to talk with you on air. And of course, we don't know what we're going to talk about for the most part. So yeah, Guar so came up spontaneously. It did. We weren't planning on Guar. Yeah. Oh, 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 one more thing about Damon. Go ahead. He said he was also at the same Guar show that I was at. That's amazing. Well, that does make sense. Yeah. Because I like every Guar show and, and you are we're, there. we're kind of the same age and yeah, from yeah. the same place. So yeah. Uh, yeah that makes totally sense. makes sense. Also, thanks to the uh, representatives of the world of Devin Nunez's parody Twitter accounts, Devin Nunez's genitals, at mm. Devin Genitals, and uh, Devin Nunez's butt plug, at B. Galini, which doesn't make any sense to me, who had such interesting takes on Jughead's food fetish from our last episode, talking mm. about the Archies. That is an unexpected connection. Hot takes from the Devin Nunez parody, parody community. Uh-huh. But anyway, if you're talking about us, thank you very much. <laughs> and you can always reach us on Twitter at HBWC Podcast or Instagram. I don't care about Facebook. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about that. Go to hell, Facebook. What's our event today, Valerie? Our event today is the founding of Yosemite National Park. Yes. That was... Uh, 1890, established by the U.S. Congress. That's right. That was not the first national park. It was actually Yellowstone. When was Jellystone National Park founded? That's a fictional park from... Was it the Flintstones? No, it's uh, Yogi Bear. Yeah, so today we're really just going to talk about that park foundation. I need to tell you something. Who, me? No, our faithful listeners. Yes. I was really busy this week, and I did not have time to do my report. I feel like you're uh, prefacing my my uh information with uh i didn't have a chance to vet this oh no not at all <laughs> not at all it's more saying that like i feel like i showed up without my homework and uh -huh. i'm apologizing in advance that's right you ever been in a a group where someone didn't pull the weight and you had to do all the weight that would be me uh you can feel that way yep but uh during the actual presentation, you need to come through and pretend like you did all the work. All right, here I go. So chime in with any comments you have as we go along, and I'll tell you the story of the foundation of Yosemite Park. All right, so the, I'm not going to get into the early origin of the park. There's a lot of uh, Native people who lived in the area, and there's some early European settlers slash I don't know what, what was, you would call them, fur trappers and stuff. It was a real bad time to be a Native American person. Yeah, that uh, I don't I don't know if that's ended yet. Okay, you're right. <laughs> but I'm going to skip past that, and I'm going to jump forward to the late 1800s or mid to late 1800s when the actual park foundation started. All right. So in 1855, an entrepreneur by the name of James Mason Hutchings and an artist by the name of Thomas Ayers uh, toured the valley, the valley that would later become the Yosemite Park. So 
they went there and they wrote a lot of articles. They were distributed nationally and lots of the art itself were held in, in exhibitions in New York. Uh, that work uh, led to an increase in just tourism of the Yosemite area, which was kind of informal, just people going there. Mm -hmm. The people that went there would start up businesses. Uh, they would homestead in the area. A lot of people would raise, brought in sheep to raise in the area to graze. And that kind of led to a general overall overuse of Yosemite. There was some con concern about the commercial interest in ruining the area. So a bill was passed by Congress and signed by the president of the time, Abraham Lincoln, in uh, 1864 that created the Yosemite Grant. So this was the first instance of parkland specifically being set aside for preservation and public use by the U.S. federal government, mm. government, I should say. It didn't become a national park because of this. It was given to the state of California as a protected area. It did set a precedent for the first national park, which I mentioned is Yellowstone, which happened in 1872. Hmm. I'm going to jump to John Muir. In September of 1867, uh, John Muir, Muir, who is a Scottish-American naturalist and author, he was a fan of Yosemite. He had visited Yosemite. Before he went there, he undertook a walk of about a thousand miles on foot. Holy right? crap. From Kentucky to Florida. And he wrote about this in a book called The Thousand Mile Walk to the Gulf. I don't know if you've heard of the song I'm Going to Be 500 Miles mm -hmm. by the Proclaimers. Maybe you have. It's not about that walk. But it is a good song. Seriously, you're shoehorning that into this? <laughs> yes, I am. Um, the Proclaimers themselves are also Scottish. Did you know that? What a coincidence. Yeah, it's weird, right? I was thinking about that song, and I was like, oh, man, too bad it's only 500 miles and not 1,000 miles. But uh, if you listen to the lyrics, they say, I'm going to walk 1,000 miles and fall down at your door. So right, because they're going to walk 500 miles 500. and then 500 more. Yeah, yeah. If we're going to talk about the Proclaimers, we need to talk about the fact that they're twins and they harmonize with each other. Let's do it. So what do you know about the Proclaimers? Mm, that's mostly it. That they're <laughs> Scottish and they're twins. They're Scottish, they're twins. Also, that song. It's a great song. Supposedly, it made five times the rest of their entire music catalog, according to the band. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, getting back to what we would call a one-hit wonder. The other band I can think of that had... Uh, harmonizing twins was mm -hmm. uh, the Breeders. The Breeders. Kim, oh yeah, Kim Deal and Kelly Deal. Yeah. Can you think of any other twin bands? Oh, the uh, uh, are they twins? Who? Maybe they're just brothers. The uh, oh gosh. If we're getting into brother bands, that's all, yeah. Let's that's let's. Not, I don't think they're twins, so let's skip them. Okay. Let's play a little snippet of Five Hundred Miles and then a little snippet of um, Divine Hammer by the Breeders. Okay. Compare and contrast.
oh, they both sound so good. <laughs> Which do you like more? You have to pick. I don't know. I always get that harmonization from Divine Hammer in my head. Yeah. Continuing back to John Muir's uh, Thousand Mile Walk, he said that he picked the wildest, leafiest, and least trodden way he could go. <laughs> so basically bramble He basically and... walked through the brush. Uh, when he got to Cedar Keys, he uh, got a job at Hodgson's Sawmill. At, at a hot dog stand. At a hot dog stand. And uh, three days after he accepted the job, he almost died of malaria. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you walk a thousand miles, be sure to get good shoes and a better map, I think. Uh, this is why I don't go outdoors. This is it. Added to the list. So uh, jumping forward after the malaria scare, in uh, 1889, John Muir took a man by the name of Robert Underwood Johnson, who was an editor of a magazine called Century Magazine, to Yosemite to see how the sheep, the previously mentioned sheep, were overgrazing to see what was happening to the land. Uh, he convinced Johnson that uh, the area could only be saved if it were incorporated into a national park. So since he had a magazine, he started writing exposés on this. They got through Congress and eventually, there was a new administration, the National Park Service. It was added as a national park in 1890 on October 1st. Have you ever actually been to Yosemite Park? I have not. Oh, me neither. It's one of those things that feels like, oh, I should go. It's so close. But we never, it was, we never actually it's did. It's not that close. And also, it's one of those things where if you go, you, you kind of need to stay there. I don't think it's really a day trip. Yeah. And where you and I are not not campers yes no noted at all i talked to max yeah our kid and he has been to yosemite i asked him his thoughts he told me that he remembered it being very pretty and extremely busy those are two thoughts from max yeah well you know i'm glad he can enjoy that stuff even if we don't he's a, he's a bit of a camper boy have you ever been to a national park now that you mention it i have which ones uh, let's see. Let me look at this list. I have been to the Presidio of San Francisco. Yeah, me too. Wait, no, that's not a national park, though, is it? It's, it is. It's, uh, oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, I have not been to Alcatraz. Me neither. I always wanted to go and never did. Yeah, we should probably do that sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to the Golden Gate National Recreation Area. Yeah. I have been to Lassen Park, Lassen Volcanic Park. What'd you do there? I believe I went there with my dad. Just as a visit? Yeah. I've been camping there. Was it cold? I don't remember it being much of... I don't remember much of it. You blocked it out. No. I went with uh, our good friend John. Hmm. Uh, and his... I think with his family. And it just kind of blew by. I remember it kind of being stinky. How so? There's sulfur. Oh, sulfur. Yeah, sulfur pits. I remember it... I do remember it being very, very pretty there. There's no question. Nature is beautiful. Yeah. But it's also out to kill you. <laughs> uh, I've been to Point Reyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Fort Point mm -hmm. over there. I've been camping over there. If you go to Point Reyes, you can buy oysters just straight out from the oyster farms over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went on a bicycling camping tour, kind of like where we just biked in and with our bags and tent and stuff. And I had the good idea of eating a bunch of oysters and then going back on the bike, and it did not work, work well for me. It was a bad, bad call all around. 
that's my memory of that. Do you want to expand upon that? I think you can jump to whatever horrific conclusion you can think of. I'm pretty sure the conclusions I'm jumping to are worse than. I'm shaking my head. No, they're probably not. (laughs) They're, they're like, imagine camping through food poisoning. (laughs) Like Mm. that's basically it. And then having to ride a bike afterwards. Sounds great. Down mountain trails. Sounds great. Yeah. Not the best. I do remember that was fun up to that point. <laughs> One of the last times I went camping, was, it was about 21, 22, something like that. And it was actually Point Reyes. And uh, it was with a guy I was dating at the time who did like camping. And it was fine. You know, we hung out. Um, we, I think, might have been on a mind-altering substance. Mm. And we were... Oysters? on the coast (laughs) yeah and we were sitting there at uh sunset and little white cockatiel hopped over like a pet yeah like we were in the middle of nowhere there were no people around and a cockatiel hopped over and jumped on my lap (laughs) and if i thought i was high before i don't believe this is happening exactly Uh, Uh, that's amazing and then it hung out on my shoulder all night and then I took it home the next day, and then I lost it. It it left. <laughs> well, okay, so you didn't lose it. It just it hung out with you, and then decided to leave. Yeah, it it, it was a free spirit. Free, <laughs> free spirit. <laughs> That's pretty good. God, can you imagine? Like, how long do cockatoos live? It's like long time birds, right? They live like fifty years or something like that. I don't know. Bird Twitter, tell us all about it. If you are a bird expert, if you are an expert in birds or bird law, please reach out. Can you imagine if you had kept that cockatoo to this day? That would be something. I would have. Yeah. It would have lived with you forever. Yeah. Are there any other national parks that you want to go to? There's a few here in in Oregon. I bet there's some that are not so natural parks. Like, you know, the way Alcatraz is more of a... More of a preserved place. Yes. Yeah. I I agree. I looked at the list of ones that were more local to us. And have you ever heard of the Oregon Caves? No. It's kind of like close to Grant's Pass here in Oregon. It's this kind of accessible, spelunking journey that Hmm. you can do. That does sound interesting. Yeah. And and terrifying, too. Yeah. I would do that. And I probably would do some of the uh, Lewis and Clark trail stuff if you were interested in driving or going through that kind of thing. What I'm more interested in is some of the Oregon ghost towns. Yeah. Because I love looking at old abandoned structures. Mm-hmm. I really like the man-made stuff more. Yeah. But that would be fun just to go across the sort of lesser populated parts. I'm down for that. Have you uh, actually researched any? Um, I've got a little list. I mean, I, I only know what the internet tells me, but... Mm-hmm. Additionally, I'd like to go to the, uh, the the town where the... Osho? The Osho town, yeah. The Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh? Yeah. But I, I think that... Do we need to give some background on that? Please uh, look that up. I don't think up. so. I think people probably know about that by now. <laughs> what was the name of that documentary on Netflix? Wild, Wild Country or something yes, like that? Yes, that's exactly you should, right. You should go watch this and then uh, report back with your thoughts. I would go there, but I think it's just a regular town. A it is. Town. In fact, if anything, the compound has been uh, changed into, I believe, a Christian summer camp. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty much not anything like what it was. Um, hopefully... Uh, the spirit is the same. <laughs> I doubt that very much. <laughs> I do too. 
Let's move on to the animal friends that live at uh, Yosemite Park, shall we? Are they friends or are they foe? Are animals our friends? Hmm. Uh, Yosemite Park supports more than 400 species of vertebrates, including fish, amphibian, reptiles, birds, and animals, sorry insects. So... Uh, forgive my lack of scientific knowledge. Sure. When you say vertebrates, you mm-hmm. mean things with spines. Yes. Okay. Basically okay. everything you think of as cute. Everything except bugs. No bugs. I don't know. If you like cute bugs, then that's your call. The high diversity of species is the result of diverse habitats inside of the park itself that are still largely intact to this day, which is sort of the uh, miracle of the park itself. They range from uh, foothills to conifer forests to alpine rock, and the animals live in their own respective areas. I'm not going to list all 400 species of animals. That would be ridiculous. Okay. But the most important question I would ask you, Valerie, is which animal, if you could have an animal in our house that could live with us, besides a cockatiel that you found on a drug-altered journey, what would you like us to have? Uh, does it have to be something that lives in Yosemite? No. What would it be? Or I should have given this some thought. I am not ready to go on the journey to domesticate an animal. No. But. This is via magic. Oh, okay. I would like a fox. A fox that doesn't poop and, and uh, tear up our furniture? Yep. I'd pick an owl. I'd like an owl friend to live in our house. But you'd have to feed it, like, live rodents and stuff. Maybe you could feed it, like, rodent meal that has been processed. Maybe. Yeah. Just like, I mean, like the cats don't. We have two cats, and they don't eat live animals. That's true. You know? I guess they would if they could, but they yeah, don't. they don't. I mean, I wish they would sometimes. Owls are fascinating. They're like feathered cats. I read something the other day about owls. Their eyeballs uh, do not rotate in their eye sockets, their yeah. cones. So that's why they are head movers. Yes. Yeah. Rotate your owl. Rotate your owl. Can we play a little bit of Rotate yeah, Your Owl? Rotate Your Owl. Great song. Properly rotated owl. (laughs) (laughs) Also check out DJ Pie Safety from the same Weebl guy. It's pretty good. Um, Yeah, I think I'd pick an owl. A fox is a good pick. I'd go with a fox too. Foxes and owls. Mm -hmm. I am pro fox and owl. Also, I vote. Of course, we don't have either of those. We just have two useless cats who live in our house. But outside of our door, we've got tons of squirrels that live in our neighborhood. That's right. But first, I'm going to talk about squirrels. go ahead. So squirrels do populate Yosemite Park as well. Uh, There are four primary types of squirrel in the park. The Douglas squirrel, or the chicory, as it's known. Chicory. It's a a reddish tree squirrel and commonly squeaks. Uh, there's also a golden-mantled ground squirrel, which looks similar to a chipmunk because it has stripes, although it's bigger than a chipmunk. It's got those, like, racing stripes mm-hmm. for speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the California ground squirrel, 
which is kind of like a brown with white specks, and it lives in burrows in the ground. Alameda was full of those. So many ground squirrels. I actually ran over one on my bike once. <gasps> I did too. Oh, man. I It kept running, so yeah, I assume things are fine. Yeah, mine ran away too, so I guess it was okay. The last type of squirrel that lives in Yosemite Park primarily is the western gray squirrel, which you know as the squirrels that live in the tree outside of our house. Same mm-hmm. same type of squirrels. Mm-hmm. They're bushy tails. They're gray, as you can tell, and they live in trees. They're kind of chubby. They're not smart. I mean, the ones that live in our our tree are extra chubby. That's not, that's not my fault. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, they live high on the hog outside of our place because we feed them every day, pretty much. You know, I looked it up, and it's possible they might be eastern gray squirrels, but I did want to, just wanted to quickly note that the eastern ones are an invasive species and the western ones are native. I think they're eastern because I think we have a lot of the invasive ones. Yeah. that We have a giant horse chestnut tree in front of our house and they make their home in it. And I love them. I love them. There's one that doesn't have a tail and he's my favorite. Yeah. He kind of looks like a little hopping bunny rabbit. Yeah. He's so cute. There are also American crows. In Yosemite Park, mm-hmm. which are the same species of crow that live in Portland, make mm-hmm. their home in Portland. And you previously mentioned them. And I have to ask you this question. Yes. The question is, are you team squirrel or team crow? I have to choose one, huh? Yeah. I don't know why they don't just get along. They really don't, though. They really don't. I gotta say, I think I'm team crow because they seem smarter. They seem smarter. Yeah. I think they are smarter. I'll agree with you. But also, because they're smarter, they seem a little more nefarious, <laughs> you know? This is not true by any means, but I feel like if you left uh, the door open, the squirrels w- uh, the squirrels might come in. Oh, yeah, they would. But the, the crows would come in and then change the locks on your door. They would live in your house. <laughs> that's, what I, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like the squirrels just kind of like, eh, this is our community. You're just a large squirrel. But the crows know that you're not a crow, and they're just like, how can we get one over on this guy? Mm, I don't know about that. Do you feel like they've accepted you as part of their no, murder? I don't. I don't think that. But I also think that they are smart enough to be super cautious around humans. They are really cautious, and the squirrels are not so much. No. The squirrels, squirrels will, are like, hey, guys, got some food? Yeah. You'll open the door, and the squirrels will be on the porch being like, hey, what's up? The crows will hang out on the power line and wait for you to put food out and, and leave. And then leave, yeah. They won't come out until after. I was going to say the squirrels are sweeter. <laughs> That's the word? More delicious? They're No. They're, they're nicer, friendlier, but they will fight each other for food sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Also. Which is kind of sad. Also rabies. You can't get rabies from a crow? Less likely, I think. Crow. What also, about avian flu? Also, black plague. The bubonic plague. plague from rodents. I don't know about you, but I've been listening to podcasts about diseases lately, mm. and it's gross. <laughs> bubonic plague is gross. <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard it here first. That's my scientific opinion. Uh, scientists agree it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that like humans are closer to rodents than birds, like physically and i can see myself more in them do you have a fursona randall yeah i do <laughs> i'm more of a wolf i think more All of right. a wolf any artists out there please um please draw your artistic interpretations of randall as a wolf as a wolf as a 
as a sexy wolf, if you could. Um, You're going to be sorry you said that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. In addition to crows and squirrels, Yosemite is also known as a home for bears. The only type of bear that lives in Yosemite is the American black, of which there are about 300 to 500 at any given time. If you visit the park and you see a bear, that's what you see. Mm -hmm. You won't ever see a brown bear or a grizzly bear. There are no more of them left. Mm. They've been... They were thought of as terrors and to be removed. Likely, people were afraid of them. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. There were no more after about 1920. Christ. Which is weird, right? Isn't the grizzly bear on the California flag? Yeah. I think we should probably just um, fire all of humanity into the sun. That's right. (laughs) Well, there'll be a lot more bears afterwards. Yeah. Two quick facts about the black bears. Despite their name, they're generally not black. They're more brown in color. Some are even blonde or red redheads. You got a ginger bear. <laughs> and uh, bears weigh the most in fall when they're gorging on acorns and other seasonal foods. Before they hibernate. For their hibernate, yeah. Uh, this enables them to uh, get that fat that they need. And they eat up to about 20,000 calories a day. Wow. Yeah, that's the human equivalent of eating 40 Big Macs. Four? Yeah. That begs the question, Valerie. Mm-hmm. If you had to eat the most Big Macs you could eat in a row, how many would that be? Well, I can tell you from being a child mm-hmm. and getting a whole lot of Big Mac tokens from the <laughs> 1984 Summer Olympics promotion. Excuse me? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I think I do. Was there like a, if they win the gold, you get yes, a free Big Mac? That's exactly okay. what it was. I kind of remember that. At one point, I was probably like eighty-four. I was twelve years old, mm-hmm. eleven, twelve years old. Um, I ate two Big Macs one day consecutively. Yes, not like one for breakfast and one for dinner. No, no, it was it was two in one sitting, and that was too many. Two, two was you, but you were able to. I was able to. Yes. So let's say it were a contest, or you were trying to hibernate for winter. <laughs> you needed to eat a lot of Big Macs. Could you eat like three or four? I don't think I could. I think I'd probably tap out after two or three, unfortunately. I would like to be able to eat more (laughs) Big Macs. I think eating contests sound like punishment to me. So I have a story. When I was working in San Francisco for the first company I worked at out of college, we got into discussion about how many McDonald's hamburgers could you eat. And a lot of people made a lot of brags about it. And it finally got down to me and my boss. I like how that's a brag. Yeah, right. (laughs) I could eat uh, 20 of them, whatever. It finally got down to we could eat 10. Each of us could eat 10 McDonald's hamburgers, right? And not cheeseburgers. This was a fatal flaw in this. And then it got escalated escalated and eventually it was decided that this man and I would sit down and the first to complete 10 McDonald's hamburgers would win the contest would whatever win whatever the contest was uh I ate uh, two and a half McDonald's hamburgers before I gave up and what about your boss he was on he was on four or even maybe five when he saw me stopping and he's like I'll just sit here until you tap out. So you better tap out. 
Smart. Yeah. In retrospect, I think it was maybe a bit of a mind game. Also, uh, also, perhaps I should have chose more water to drink. That was the fatal flaw. No, no, you don't want water because it just takes up room. I couldn't continue because my mouth hurt because Ugh. it was so dry. Yeah, Ugh. that's the story. Are you saying this was a tale of uh, corporate dominance? Yeah, I think it was just his way of being like, you made a stupid mistake and I'm going to prove it by making a stupider mistake. Wow. Yeah. Dudes, man. <laughs> Dudes. Uh, yeah, that's that's a story of men. The story of men. <laughs> uh, the last question I have regarding uh, bears is the most important question. Okay. Would you like a pet bear? In reality, no. In oh. fantasy, yes. Well, bring it in. <laughs> no, there's no pet bear outside the studio door. If you could get a pet bear that was about the size of, uh, I don't know, a golden retriever. Are you doing uh, Paula Tompkins' bit? I forgot about that. Completely forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Apologies, Paul. <laughs> Let's tag Paul F. Tompkins on this one. And also, can we play a bit of that comedy routine? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Have a little tiny bear that's all your own. Like a great, a good size, a good size small bear. Not like too little, not like teeny tiny, not like pocket size where you'd be a jerk about it. You're like, hey, you want to see my bear? (laughs) Nobody wants to be around that dude. Oh, he's so funny. He's the best. If you know Paul F. Tompkins and can somehow make him our best friend, please do. And that, Valerie, concludes the story of the foundation of Yosemite Park, which happened in 1890 on our birthday. It's pretty great that they did that. I don't think they would do that, anything like that these days. Uh, In fact, they might do the opposite. There's a whole thing about, there were a ton of national parks that were made during the Obama administration. Were there really? Yeah. But I think most of them were doing, they were doing it as preserves for native species and stuff and to prevent uh, exploitation. And there is a bit of that uh, being rolled back in the Trump administration, which is unfortunate. Don't say his name. Uh, Racist Uncle Grandpa. (laughs) Orange Grandpa. Orange Goblin. Orange Goblin administration. So other things that happened in 1890, the following people were born in 1890. H.P. Lovecraft, Mm -hmm. Agatha Christie, Groucho Marx and Colonel Sanders, amongst others. That's quite a foursome. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine having like a dinner party with them? Uh, that sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> I'll bet you they'd serve chicken. I feel like everybody was super racist mm-hmm. at that point because at even, least... Even the English? Even Agatha Christie? Oh, yes. <laughs> at least three of those four people, uh-huh. there's some racial issues there. At least three? Uh, let me guess. Is it not Re- Groucho Marx? I don't know enough about <laughs> Groucho Marx to make a judgment. <laughs> if only. I'm sure there was something problematic. I'm sure there was. But uh, definitely the other three have some obvious. Wait, what's the problem with um, Agatha Christie? Some character representation? Well, lots of that. And also one of her books was named. Something oh, very... yes. I forgot about that one. Yeah. You could say the book name. No, I, probably... no I can't. No. <laughs> be- are you thinking of Ten Little Indians? Yeah. Because it used to be called something else. Oh, did you use the N-word? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. It's weird, too, because Agatha Christie was totally my introduction to uh, adult writing or adult literature. Really? Yeah. For whatever reason, uh, when I started to read mystery books, 
it was like the things that my parents deemed to be appropriate. That's weird. Yeah, maybe. Maybe like murder and stuff? Well, yeah, but that's just kind of what I gravitated to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're going to read a book about murder, because we assume that's going to happen. At least let's make it proper in English. Please read this murder book. Yeah. Hmm. That's the new name of our podcast. Please read this murder book. Uh, Another thing that happened in 1890 was the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the LDS Church, or what were commonly known through our life as the Mormons. Yeah. They put out an official statement for the first time, which officially advised against polygamy. (laughs) So it's been since 1890 that they've been, quote unquote, discouraging polygamy. Do you know when they were founded? Oh, sometime in the 1800s, I think. So less than 100 years they were around, probably. Yeah. And I was just about to say, shout out to our friend, Brittany. Uh And I see that you've written here, shout out to our friend, the Mormon Princess Brittany. The Mormon Princess Brittany fan of the pod and i think we even previously mentioned her on one of our episodes thanking her for listening she's great yes absolutely do you have any take on the polygamy Mm, are you down well you know if people find it works for them great uh i'm not so much into the one dude multiple ladies scenario Mm -hmm. that's just me personally but more into the multiple everythings multiple everything well i mean just do what works for you but i'm I'm just saying, like, in that situation, the ladies don't really have uh, the opportunity to do what works for them. I, do, I have other opinions about the Latter-day Saints religion that, mm-hmm. that kind of pollutes the idea. Polygamy as a just a general concept outside of a religious factor seems fine to me. Sure. Like, whatever floats your boat. It's just that this polygamy is always... Very male-centric. Extremely. Yeah. I mean, knowing what we know about the... You need to be married to get into the afterlife, right. <laughs> you know, sort of situation makes it feel a little bit off. But like in the circumstances where there's just a weird misbalance of men and women in some culture or people that want to live together to share resources and things happen as they will. They don't even need to justify it. Some people yeah. are just uh, non-monogamous. Yeah. I feel like it's okay. Yeah. So too bad but also good. I don't know what the conclusion (laughs) is there. I don't like things being forced onto people, but do what you want. Wow, that's really libertarian of you. Oh, man. Unless it's taxes. Then I like them (laughs) forced upon you. That's about it. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Oh, how do you feel about camping? I think that this whole podcast needs a closing talk about our opinions on camping. I know throughout the show... You've been talking about you hate camping, you don't like camping, I don't like camping, we don't like camping. I think they get it. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you like camping? Me? Yeah. What's your What's your hot take on why you don't like camping? Well, a major reason is that I like plumbing and I like to have easy access to a toilet and a shower. Yeah. I, I think I feel the same way. I don't like being dirty. I don't like being cold in yeah. the night. I had to go camping once about 10 years ago as part of my job, and that was difficult. Yeah. I was very, very cold. I had to get up and go pee several times during the night. Were you outdoors? Uh, No, we were in sort of like uh, permanent tents. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing about it is you had to wear a bear bell when you went in the middle of the night alone to go pee because there were bears. Previously mentioned black bears. They might smell you and want to meet you. I think 
based on what I read about them, they probably would run away as soon as you They probably would. The bell is probably not to bring other people. It's to scare the bears. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) So, yeah. If you're frightened by a bell, I think that you probably were pretty It's more like you just didn't want to surprise them if they were hanging out over by the the door to the restroom. I'm not ready to to fight a bear, but what if you made a bear friend that night? That would be something. A special bear friend. A bear friend. friend. What if you met that? That, that special bear someone? That bear that was going to become the first domesticated bear that started the trend. Mm. Oh, man. It could have happened. could have happened. I like the platonic idea of camping. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean, like, if you could solve all of the problems that I have with camping, and I'm sure you can. If you threw enough money at it, you could solve whatever. I would like to go camping. Like, if you could plop, like, a nice... Uh, situated cabin in the woods That's that nice. had hold on okay let me finish that had uh, wi-fi had good internet had like excellent plumbing and water and reliable power and such like that sounds and you could walk out of it and be in the wilderness that's my campaign that's what i would like whatever that is what's that what do you call that then that's a getaway in the woods. That's what I like. Yeah. I'm more of a man of the woods. <laughs> just like Justin Timberlake. Yeah, Justin Timberlake and I are like this. Yeah. But I like the looking at the outdoors. I love to be around nature temporarily. <laughs> I like to look at birds and uh, other wildlife. Maybe I like driving to the place where you go camping, but then bombing out at the last minute and driving back to the luxury hotel. Yeah, I like driving and getting out of your car and walking around for a little bit. And then you go back to a nice hotel or perhaps the place that you live. Do you think like the uh, mobile home camping could do it? Maybe. Yeah. Would you be willing to rent a mobile home with me at some point and I, go camping? I would try it. I'm al- I mean, I'm always down for, well, not always, but I'm usually down for things at least once. Yeah. And then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'm not going to do it anymore. I just really like my bed. Oh, yeah. Also a comfy bed. Um, And that concludes our episode on the foundation of Yosemite National Park. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Bye, bye, bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the podcast please rate review and subscribe uh, anywhere you get your podcast find us on social media at hbwc podcast or visit us on the web at happy birthday who cares.com if you'd like to send us an email our address is happy birthday who cares at gmail.com 